Welcome to the Health Trip Podcast. My name is Jill Foos. I'm a functional medicine and integrative nutrition health coach. I created this podcast to bring you along as we travel down intriguing science-packed roads, debunking old medical paradigms and perusing new innovative therapies and modalities with the finest functional medicine doctors, practitioners, and like-minded biohackers while living our best life. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode on the Health Trip Podcast. I've always been intrigued with Ayurvedic medicine. I have a childhood friend who became an Ayurvedic practitioner and introduced me to this ancient practice back in my early 20s. I remember her telling me that my dosha was a pitta. I remember smelling all of the herbs and spices in her home, the amazing food she prepared for me to try, and how connected she was to this beautiful way of life. While it didn't capture my heart enough for me to dig too deep into it, I am still amazed by the principles and the benefits. One of the issues for me was that it seemed so hard to stick to, so unfamiliar and uncomfortable. Sounds kind of like menopause. How can we take an ancient practice, modernize it, and use it during a time in a woman's life when we are vulnerable and want to feel and look our very best? Some women are all in when it comes to taking hormones during menopause, while others want a more holistic approach. And how about combining the two? Is that possible? I have the perfect guest joining me today to break down what Ayurvedic medicine is and how it can fit into our modern society's need to feel and look great, mitigate menopausal symptoms, and live a full life full of vibrancy. Dr. Shivani Gupta received her master's degree in Ayurvedic sciences and her PhD in turmeric. She has fused Eastern and Western medicine into a modern Ayurvedic approach, making this ancient wisdom more accessible to the masses. She's also created her line of supplements called Fusionary Formulas, is an author, a podcast host, and a mother. Short little medical disclaimer before we dive in with her. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice or to make any lifestyle changes to treat any medical condition in yourself or others. Consult your physician for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any of my guests on my podcast. So sit back, open your minds, and let's dig in with Dr. Shivani Gupta. Hi, Dr. Shivani Gupta. Welcome to the Health Trip Podcast. I'm really excited to have you here today. Awesome. Thanks for having me. So Shivani, before we dive in, share with us all of the things that drew you into Ayurvedic medicine and to become a practitioner. What was so encapsulating about that? Sure. So growing up, I grew up in Houston, Texas, but I also grew up going to India every summer of my life. And whenever I was in India, there was all this different approach to health. Like there's a completely different toolkit that they used. My own grandma would reach into the spice cabinet and she'd use turmeric and cumin and all these herbs and spices that were kind of stinky and weird to fix our health. And I remember every time we would travel through India, if we stayed in a hotel, they would offer these like Ayurveda classes and yoga classes and things. So I just remember constantly seeing it, being curious about it. And then eventually on my own health journey, I realized that the solutions I was being given here at home in Texas were not working for me at all. And I needed a new toolkit. 
And so that's when I turned to Ayurveda and I told my parents, look, we need to go find this thing. We need to study this thing in India. And I went on this journey. And so I visited all the top Ayurvedic centers in India, but really with this like journalist mindset of you've got to prove to me that your science works. Mm -hmm. And as I met the people whose lives it had changed, the people living in these centers and watched what they were doing and watched it work on me, I was like, well, this stuff works. You guys have a whole science and system that heals people. Why are we not all doing this work to prevent disease in our bodies? Why do we look at life as just you work really hard and then you manage disease at the end? Mm -hmm. That's the format and template of my family. And in Ayurveda, you can actually be more vibrant, more youthful, more energetic. Like you have complete control over the aging process in a sense, because you can be thriving all the way through. And that really attracted me to Ayurveda. And thus I took this deep dive in and did my master's and my PhD in it and everything. And now I just want the whole world to know about Ayurveda. And I love that you have more of a modern approach to it, that you've fused the Eastern and the Western. And we're going to, that's going to show throughout our conversation today, but tell us what is Ayurveda medicine? What are the base, the fundamentals that we should know about? Sure. So Ayurveda is an entire system of health, healing, and medicine from India that's over 5,000 years old. And it encompasses a preventive lifestyle. It encompasses something called the doshas or the individual mind-body constitutions that define all of us and are made up of the elements. So it gives a lot of personalized understanding of our own individual bodies. Then we teach circadian rhythm, circadian medicine, living according to nature's clock. We teach about optimizing sleep, Ayurveda encompasses profound detox protocols that keep the body and systems and lymphatic system running really clean and flowing smoothly. We teach about the herbs and spices, those super spices that are super foods for our health. So it's really a lifestyle that uses a lot of the different modalities and centers around gut health, around digestion, around a diet that really supports us in having longevity and preventive health in place. For the rest of our lives. So I know that I'm a Pitta because I, before we jumped on, I was telling you how a friend of mine is an Ayurvedic practitioner as well. And so tell us a little bit about the doshas and really what this, how are you supposed to utilize those in terms of pivoting your lifestyle in a different direction? Sure. So doshas are your constitution. And when you take a dosha quiz, I have one on my website at shivanigupta.com. Anyone can take the quiz. But once you take that quiz, you get to understand what your primary constitution is and then what your secondary constitution is. And that can be very illuminating because people email me all the time and they're like, wow, how did you know me so well? How did you know that mm -hmm. that's my mindset, that that's my temperament, that's my personality. Those are my physical attributes. And then those are the things I struggle with the most when it comes to my health and my body. And I was like, well, these are ancient principles. They've been true for thousands of years. I just get to be one more teacher on this journey. But understanding your primary dosha and then your secondary allows you to understand yourself better and constantly harmonize yourself and bring yourself back into balance. So as a pitta, you might have some certain imbalances, like you get angry or jealous, or you explode, or you overheat. Those are the pitta negative traits. And so being a pitta, you would understand that, you would come to understand that you could stay cool and calm and collected through hydration, through coconut water, through deciding where you live or how you travel, through like for me, I'm a pitta. I can't have a beach day and be out in the burning heat all day. I will just mm -hmm. die. I can't mm -hmm. do it. 
And so I've learned that. And so I will structure my life around what keeps me balanced. So a Vata person is more thin, airy. Um, that's a person who's like a busybody who's all over the place, but is very creative. Then we have the Pittas. They're the more fiery personality, fiery template, medium body, but very ambitious and focused and driven. And then you've got the Gafas. They're of the earth. That's a very one thing at a time one step at a time type of person. They're very loyal, very giving. They're like mother earth and grandma energy. And so Guffa sometimes needs that swift push in the day to get their day done. And so that's where it's kind of fun to understand what is right. your constitution and how do you honor it and really leverage it to have the life that you want. And is Ayurveda a standalone practice or can it be used in conjunction with other modalities like conventional medical healthcare? I think Ayurveda can very much be used alongside any other system of health and healing because it's very Eastern. It's very um, ancient. It's very organic in a sense. It can fit in with others. I actually think Ayurveda is the perfect symbiotic fit with functional medicine because functional medicine is going to address those root cause issues, understand what's wrong. But if we don't build an entire lifestyle in place, that's a different lifestyle than what we have now, we're just going to keep causing the same issues. And so it's great to have a lifestyle in place that keeps us in rhythm with nature, that keeps that gut health on point, that really keeps us balanced. So we know that chronic disease states start with inflammation, right? There's type two diabetes, cancer, cardiovascular disease, Alzheimer's and dementia. Those are the four big horsemen. How does Ayurveda play a role in in inflammation, reducing or reducing inflammation? Sure. So we have a couple of different approaches. Ayurveda, first of all, teaches us a preventive daily lifestyle and rhythm and a self-care rhythm that we can carry throughout our day. We call it dinacharya. And just in the self-care rituals, there are a lot of aspects of it that help us detox, including a tongue scraper, for example. And so a tongue scraper will help you detox all the organs of the body. It reflects the bottoms, just like reflexology on the bottom of your feet, massages all the organs of the body. We talk about how different places on our tongue also reflect the organs of the body. And so scraping the tongue gently massages those organs, ignites our digestive fire, and gets us going for the day. So that's just one example. So moving that lymphatic system is key. We have multiple self-care rituals for that. We also teach everyone about circadian rhythm and the circadian clock. And recently in the last few decades, three Nobel Peace Prize winners won an award for proving the circadian clock to be true. But for thousands of years, Ayurveda has shared with us this clock. And so sleeping 10 to 2, for example, on that clock is the best time to support us to clear inflammation, clear the lymphatic system, rejuvenate, and reset for the next day. So I always ask people to really move that bedtime closer to 10 because 10 to 2 on the clock is twice as important as sleeping later, your 2 to 6 sleep, in terms of clearing that inflammation out of your system. And then another big way is Ayurveda is so gut-centered. So we teach that gut health is the center of all health. And it's really cool that modern day science is now saying that there's a gut-brain axis, there's this gut microbiome, all this modern science is proving what Ayurveda already said. Ayurveda said, honor gut first, ignite the digestive fire first. Don't drink cold water around your meals and put out that fire. Really honor that fire as being the center of all health, all vitality. And we know that 
inflammation oftentimes is residing in that gut. And so if we can clear the gut health, keep it churning and burning and moving and doing what it needs to, then we're not going to have that accumulation of what we call ama or toxins. And that toxic buildup won't be what our body is fighting with all the time, which is one of the causes of inflammation is these environmental toxins and outside factors. So Ayurveda actually teaches us on all levels, all the different ways we can live a different way that will then prevent inflammation from accumulating and reduce the inflammation that we already have. So, so far you've just talked about all these lifestyle interventions, but where do all of the spices and herbs and the magic of Ayurveda come into play? So in Ayurveda, we do teach something called the sattvic diet. The sattvic diet is this way of eating and the foods that we eat. A lot more of it is how we eat. I don't try to really particularly control what people eat, but I do have those conversations around what are the inflammatory foods and how to treat our food so it's not so inflammatory to us. So Mm -hmm. food is medicine and it is a big part of what we're supposed to do to have a healthy lifestyle. And then another big piece, like you said, is the super spices and the super herbs. Mm -hmm. So herbology out of Ayurveda is a very powerful piece of the puzzle. And I like to use spices like turmeric and ginger and cumin and ashwagandha, even cilantro, for example, heavy metal detoxer. There's a lot of herbs and spices that we can use strategically in our lives as powerful preventers and supporters as well. So it's really interesting because I just, um, a few months ago, I finished up taking a year-long gut health course. And there was an entire module that I was very surprised about, and it was all on Ayurveda. Nice. Yeah. And so um, it went into the doshas and, and the diet that you're talking about, but I work with so many women who are going through the menopause transition. And we know that just being in perimenopause changes our microbiome, right? Our bacteria constitution changes. And a lot of women start feeling bloated or gassy, constipation is a problem, um, loose stools. So take us through a journey of how Ayurveda would come into play with a woman in menopause who is um, experiencing chronic constipation. We know that women, you know, excrete their excess estrogen through their bowel movements every day and how important that is. But so many women think going poop twice a week is normal and it's not. So run us through how Ayurvedic medicine, how you would handle a scenario like that with a menopausal woman. Sure. So our first step is always understanding the dosha. We start with the dosha quiz because the understanding of that individual person's mind-body constitution is how we're going to personalize everything because that template really matters. And I actually like to do a dosha quiz and understand what they were at birth and where they are now. Because Mm -hmm. a lot of times the first thing we're balancing is dosha vitiation, dosha imbalances. If you were a pitta and you are a kapha right now, let's get you back to original factory settings. Oh, so it can change. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times I find when you have kids, you change because you're naturally going to go into this more kapha state. And then all of a sudden you feel like, oh my God, I'm not myself. I'm not myself. So we have to align back to that original dosha. So it just depends on the person. But first it's those dosha... um, imbalances that we deal with. 
Then second, we do a big lifestyle conversation of, of how often are you pooping and how's your digestion and how's everything going? And what is your schedule? What is your lifestyle? What are your commitments? What is your career? And what is that health history that could have impacted? Because let's say they had surgery and had high dose antibiotics. That's going to affect the current gut that we're dealing with. And gut dysbiosis is a major root cause in most of us that's driving most of the problems now. So we're going to have to do some level of gut healing protocol. Um, then we have that conversation of what is that diet that you're eating and how can we bring in less in inflammatory foods, bring up the level of spices and herbs and things that we're consuming that'll help us. How do we remove inflammatory foods, but also bring in more, um, what is that word? Like ghee and foods that have an unctuousness and fiber so we can create the solutions quickly that we need. So my goal is always, how do I get you out of trouble? Usually that's turmeric gut protocol, gut healing, and clear the gut, and balance understanding of dosha. And then we can move into the finer fine-tuning steps, which is let's go into circadian clock. Let's fix sleep. Let's adjust the times of day when you do certain activities. That alone can be supportive. The circadian clock from Ayurveda teaches us to eat lunch at high noon when our body is most supported to digest that meal. So a lot of times it's lifestyle shifts after we deal with kind of the fires that we're dealing with. And the way we approach menopause is if we're going to hit each decade of life, coming in hard, just working and churning and doing, but not paying attention to the body, then how are we expecting a beautiful result from the body as we hit these big life transitions? So my thing is, if we're going into perimenopause, which is what me and all my friends are approaching right now, then how are we shifting with it to give our body the space it needs to adjust and thrive? And then same thing for menopause. A lot of times with menopause, women are having those hot flashes, night sweats. It's like their body is not their own. They're working on eating the same, but gaining weight. And I've heard this a lot. And so I told, I put together a tea actually for women. It's called hormone rebalance tea. But I wanted to test a theory of if you put three adaptogens from Ayurveda together, three types of Tulsi with Shatavari, people here pronounce it shatavari. It's a powerful herb for women's reproductive organs. And so those ingredients together are very cooling. And in that tea, I put it on a jasmine green tea base. And then I added um, jasmine to it, green tea for the flavor and some lychee. But that tea is very cooling to the body and it cools hot flashes, cools night sweats. So for me, I'm very passionate about pulling herbs from Ayurveda to see, can we give this result in a natural form? Have there been any clinical studies done on using Ayurveda during menopause? That's a great question. I have not done yeah. that searching, but I, I'm sure that there is because we're having so much more published science come out in Ayurvedic medicine about the different adaptogenic herbs. Mm -hmm. So I would bet that Shatavari or Tulsi do have published science around menopause symptoms and issues. I know we have a lot of a lot of science on turmeric. And so with turmeric, when you search turmeric and women's health issues, even in PubMed, you'll see for PCOS and for so many of the different women's health issues that come along, endometriosis, turmeric is very powerful. Well, you are the queen of turmeric. You have your PhD in turmeric. Talk about its magic and how it will play a role in women's health. Sure. So turmeric is a very powerful anti-inflammatory. That's its primary benefit that we really do focus on. And the fact that it's anti-inflammatory means it can take that systemic, chronic, low-grade, persistent inflammation 
that most of us are suffering with and simmer it down. And so the issue is most of us are carrying this inflammation. It's like a forest fire, but it's a silent killer. We don't realize that it's there until the symptoms start to stack up. And people complain about brain fog, um, fatigue, joint pain, aches and pains, waking up and feeling stiff, and blaming that on aging. And I always tell people, look, that's inflammaging. That is inflammation mm -hmm. stacking up, causing you to feel like you're aging. But if you weren't inflamed, you would not feel that way. And so really looking at that and and trying to reduce your systemic inflammation is usually the first step. And that's what I love about turmeric is it's so well received by the body. It's so well absorbed, assimilated, and it can really do that job. And then after that, it's a very powerful antioxidant. So oxidative stress is another big reason we feel like we're aging in our bodies. We know that it's a powerful aging um, mechanism. And so the fact that turmeric will not just reduce oxidation in the system, but go after the things that are causing the oxidation and get rid of those means it's a very powerful preventer. And then another reason I love turmeric is I have always felt like I had no immune system. I learned later that that was leaky gut that made me feel like I had no defense against the world. But turmeric is an antiviral, an antibacterial, and an antifungal. And so I really lean on those properties a lot when I take turmeric because I don't want to catch the colds and the different things going by. I really want that support 24-7. Um, so those are the main ones. But one other that I love, two others, are it's a vasodilator. It increases blood flow in the body. And so so many people say, look, you know, between ED and different issues that are problematic because of lack of blood flow, they're taking nitric oxide and things like that. Well, turmeric itself will increase nitric oxide in the body. So when we're talking about blood flow to our hair, to our nails, to our skin, to, to all the parts of us that want that great blood flow, turmeric can be a very good support. And then one area that I'm interested in studying in this lifetime is I've read that turmeric can extend our telomeres. So it's a very powerful mm. anti-aging longevity tool. And a lot of times people say, well, I'm eating my superfoods and my blueberries and my seaweed and my this and that, but turmeric is an anti-aging tool. It will kill off the cells. It causes cell apoptosis to the cells that are not beneficial to us. It's going to reduce that inflammation, it's going to increase that blood flow. Um, and I honestly know that it does so much more and it's just about us discovering it and publishing it as real science to acknowledge the fact that it's it's just so well received and does so much for us. Yeah, it is a powerhouse of a um of a supplement or a what is it? It's a root, correct? Yes, it's the ginger. Yeah. It's just like a ginger root. Yeah, right. Turmeric, the rice. I can picture it at the grocery store. Yes. So people might be wondering, you're talking about using turmeric, so they're going to run to Walgreens or Costco or CVS and pick up some turmeric supplements. But I want you to help share how to properly buy turmeric and, and also talk about your own supplement that you've created, your supplement line, um, Fusionary Formulas. For, Fusionary Formulas. Yeah. Yes. Talk about that. And, and if people can't get a hold of that, you know, how should they find turmeric? Sure. That's a great question. So out of the entire turmeric plant, only 3% is the curcuminoids. So when we're going to the grocery store and we're buying that raw turmeric, we're not going to get that tremendous therapeutic significant benefit that we want to reduce inflammation. It's hard to achieve. You'd have to consume a lot of turmeric to get there. Even when you take that and condense it down into a spice, which is a more condensed potent form of turmeric, 
still you'd have to consume like a mason jars worth to get what's in a simple two-week supply of the supplement. The mm. problem with the supplement world is we all have very different qualities. And so eight years ago, when I finished my PhD, I sat down and I thought, I'm going to be, I, my family actually said this to me. They said, you are such a crazy evangelist of turmeric now, and you're going to tell everyone to take turmeric. You should just make your own. And I thought that was a pretty outlandish idea. And then when I researched it, I realized I actually could create something. And then my goal became to prove to all of Western medicine that they could add this as an adjunct toolkit, tool in their toolkit. So what I tell every doctor is, look, you're going to recommend anti-inflammatories. You have to. Can you just offer this one alongside? And if the patient wants that natural solution, then they'll take it. And so it's been a really beautiful journey because I'm very obsessed with potency and quality and perfection and making it in the U.S. and controlling all my factors. Yeah. And because my goal was to com to compel orthopedics to make the change first, and they deal with really bad joint pain and chronic joint pain. So because we already win there, I knew we would win in a lot of the other subspecialties. Um, but when I built Fusionary eight years ago, that's what we went after. And so now it's carried by hundreds of doctors. I've had tens of thousands of patients take it. They call me and they share with me the benefits, how they can walk again. They can walk up the stairs again. They've kept their hand function. Their knee pain is gone so they can stay in athletics and sports. So there's a lot of benefits to taking turmeric. Um, I just invite everyone to really read the labels. A lot of the labels nowadays just say curcuma longa. Curcuma longa just means turmeric the plant. That's the $3 spice you can buy on the shelf. If they aren't outlining curcuminoids or curcumin, and they're not saying standardized to 95%, you really have no idea what you're getting. Mm. And if they ever take the label and they don't delineate how much is just curcumin, you definitely don't know what you're getting. And so that was my goal was to be so transparent and so focused. And now my goal is to push for more clinical science because that's how we're gonna win at showing the entire medical system that it can be used as that adjunct tool. We do have over 6,000 scientific studies on PubMed showing the benefits, but if I can contribute to even more double-blind clinical um, studies, that would really push that forward. So that's my, my practice right now. Yeah, I think that's such a great idea because I know for me, in helping my own clients um, purchase supplements that are high grade. You know, I try to teach them what to read on the label, how to do the research to see, did that lab conduct any clinical trials and what's the efficacy? Because, you know, it's a lot of money to stay on these supplements and you want to make sure that you are getting high quality for the money that you are spending. And so in talking about turmeric, um, is there a therapeutic dose and a maintenance dose? Like when you're really, when you're working with someone who is, you know, really dealing with maybe an autoimmune disease or some um, GI dysbiosis, are you using a more therapeutic uh, dose to try to bring down that inflammation? That is really on a one-on-one -on -one basis. So the bottle says two capsules a day, and that's for my turmeric gold or my inflammation relief. And then a lot of people take the combo and that's their pain solution bundle. Mm. That is what I call a standard dose to achieve the job. Mm -hmm. But if I talk to someone individually and they're like, you don't understand, I wake up in so much pain, I'll talk to them and say, you can add a third dose because we know that you can take up to eight grams a day of curcumin safely. So it's not like you can't increase a little bit, but it just depends on that person and what they're looking for. And also the way I built mine is very potent. So I always start people one a day with food, yeah. 
gently ease in because not all of us eat a diet full of spices and herbs, so we might not tolerate it well. Um, but if you take a high dose curcumin and you have joint pain, you should feel a difference. I meet a lot of people who say, I don't feel anything. I'm like, well, if the label doesn't say 500 milligrams curcumin, 95% standardized, then you're not getting the therapeutic dose you need to yeah. achieve the goal. And curcumin has a pretty fast uptake. So once you have it on board and in the system and it's working for you, within an hour, hour and a half, you're going to know it's supporting you. Like I sprained my ankle. Oh, and so I used it as like- That's a very fast. Yeah, I use it like as an anti-inflammatory support. Mm. And I could feel the pain come down to like a two. And then I can feel when my pain rises back up and I take it and it rises. You know, you can use it in that way for more acute pain issues as well depending on the level of pain. Well, that's very quick. Cause sometimes you have to take a supplement for about 12 weeks before it's going to show any signs of, you know, whether it's working or not for you. I usually tell people seven to 10 days. They usually know it's great seven to 10 days. If, if that's great because people want quick turnaround times, right? They, yeah. people are very patient when it comes to, you know, a more holistic approach to, uh, to healing. True. It's yeah. Very, yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about stress and the Ayurvedic approach to stress because everybody feels stress. I mean, coming out of COVID, everyone's just super amped up and really struggling with reducing their stress and managing their stress. Um, so how does Ayurveda approach anxiety, depression, mood swings, and stress? Ayurveda's first approach to pretty much everything is go through the gut. And so we always look at it as how is your gut doing? Is there is there gut dysbiosis going on? Because gut brain is fully connected. And so usually first approach is gut. Second approach is look at those doshas and understand a vata person's going to tend towards anxiety anyway. A kapha person will tend towards depression anyway. So is it just a balancing within their dosha that will then support them to be more balanced? The kapha energy, that earth energy has to move. That vata person needs to get real grounded. And so we have entire lifestyle protocols of diet, beverages, sleep schedule, food schedule, certain fats and foods to eat, certain foods to avoid per dosha that can help with that. And so a lot of times you'll see these patterns of vata people tend to be hyperactive and anxious. This is very common for them. And so just balancing the dosha is enough. Now, of course, all the doshas can have these types of sufferings. And so Ayurveda's approach is how do we show you how to bring a lifestyle practice in place that's so balancing that brings you back into rhythm with nature on a circadian clock with your own self-care rhythm where you have so much control over that and you've built this rhythm with yourself of so much self-care that your cup is full. And from that place, we can approach anything. So for me, I myself have a pretty high impact, busy life, but I don't let go of my self-care rhythm. And that's how I stay very like level and balanced all the way through. Yeah. See, that's, what's really hard for so many people, including my own clients, right? Is you, maybe they can get it down in their home, but as soon as they walk out the door and they have a business meeting or they go and travel, or they're going to their in-laws house for the holidays, everything just sort of falls by the wayside. Right. And so how, what is Ayurveda's approach on handling all of the real life situations? Right. Cause I'm sure people are practicing 
all of these lifestyle interventions first at home in the comforts of their own home where they can control a lot of the confounding factors, right? The water that they're drinking, the food that they're eating, um, it's their own bedroom so they can control their schedule there. But what happens when they leave that? Great question. I have had to learn to build a rhythm that's portable. And so I think mm. we can all build rhythms that we can carry with us. Our supplements, our water bottles, our tea, our honey. I carry everything with me. Uh, our sleep solutions, our sleep supports. I carry my sleep formula. I carry the right uh, bottles to carry hot water around. So when I can get the hot water, I've got it and it's keeping it hot. So I think it's a lot around preparation yeah. and the active choice of even though I'm going to be running around, what are the tools I'm going to need to be ready and thinking about those the night before and then planning for it. And every time we feel ourselves coming, you know, falling off the horse with that, what are the restructurings that need to be put back into place so we can keep them? Because I agree with you, when you travel and all this, it throws things out of the, it throws things out of whack. Um, for me, I've just learned, can we start packing, packing the things that matter first? So when I go to pack for a trip, I pack tea first, supplement second, tools. I pack my tea kettle. I have a travel tea kettle. Mm -hmm. Then clothes. Clothes are like the last thought. You sound like me. <laughs> yeah, because I can get clothes anywhere. Right. But what I can't get are my supplements and my tea. Right, right. That has to go first. And just maintaining that rhythm means that when I come back, I don't feel off. But in the past, I would just go on trips, drink wine with my friends every night, eat what I wanted. And I'd come back so inflamed, so much heavier, so much. Um, I'd feel like I need a detox from the trip. So the goal is to enjoy on our trips but keep that rhythm of moving in nature, exercise and excellent sleep so that we don't lose our gains. Which takes a lot of intentionality, right? It's not just like meal prepping or prepping your supplement little bags. It's a lot of intentionality. It's a lot of mindfulness. And so what does Ayurveda bring to the table in terms of mindfulness that maybe other modalities don't? The entire rhythm of Ayurveda is built on being intentional about our health and building an intuitiveness with ourself. Because each of us as a bio-individual person is here having our own individual experience. We have our own journey, our own health journey. And so Ayurveda teaches you how to build this rhythm to your life, this rhythm to your entire sleep, everything. And then once you learn to stay in that rhythm, everything's easier. But the mindset very much is, how do I do self-care in a way that I feel so good? How do I build my energy to be just unstoppable? How do I build clarity in myself so that I'm always clear and honoring myself and others? And so that intentionality and then that intuitiveness of understanding what you need is very powerful. So when I stop at my different anchor points of the day, I call it tea time is me time. When I stop for tea time is me time, I always ask myself, what do you need right now, Shvani? How are you doing? Have you made a plan so you get to eat today? Are you hydrating? And just starting to ask those questions will bring forth really powerful answers around what you are and are not doing. And then you can self-correct and self-adjust. Right. And just like everything else, it's a daily practice. And in the beginning, it's going to be unfamiliar and uncomfortable. But as time goes on, it will become more intuitive and then it will be your base new normal. Exactly. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, I want to pivot to weight loss and how Ayurveda plays a role in weight loss. So as far as I can remember, 
Ayurveda taught me by my friend, you know, 25 plus years ago was a, a more vegan approach to eating. And I was wondering what your modern take on that is, um, fusing Eastern and Western and, and what you do about nutrition, because in weight loss, we know, and there's, you know, so much talk about prioritizing your protein, especially for women going through the transition of menopause and the loss of lean muscle mass and bone health. Um, what is the modern take from your perspective on the weight loss journey and protecting our muscles and our bones? Such a great question. I don't think there's any perfect formula because we are so individual yeah. and even our body structure is different according to Ayurveda. So one big reminder I give to women is know your dosha, know your structure, and then only go after the structure that's actually physically possible with your own body. Because sometimes I'll show a picture to the trainer at my gym and he'll say, Shivani, you'd have to chainsaw your hips. Like that's not even possible. <laughs> and I always have to remember I'm not a vata body. Like don't look at the vata bodies. You're a pitta body. And same thing goes for kapha. So that's part mm -hmm. one. It's like know thyself. Part two is yes, Ayurveda teaches us this vegetarian type of diet. It's pretty much vegetarian. We accept ghee and dairy, but not meat typically. And so I thought long and hard about this because I am a person who is seeking a high protein diet and you don't want to lean into soy too much. You know, it's not good to eat so many processed ingredients. And so even with my children, I've had this big debate and I finally just opened it up for them to eat chicken and fish, because I do think that being pescatarian and eating a very plant-based diet with pescatarian is a very healthy diet. Yep. We know the benefits omega of omega-3. We know the benefits of that lean protein. We know it's going to make us satiated. So there's a lot of benefits there. And I do think that a diet like the blue zone diet, Mediterranean diet is a, a fusion of Ayurvedic diet with opening it up a little bit in a way that's beneficial. What's cool is the Indian culture, the Ayurvedic culture would never have said, don't do something. Um, we're very open in terms of what people do, but it's, it's interesting as you watch this evolution happen, I do think that taking the Ayurvedic diet and opening it a touch is beneficial. And then when it comes to weight loss, I think part of the issue that happens nowadays is we're so sedentary. We have such a high volume of environmental toxins coming at us, our water, our air, our food, our processed foods, and then on top of it, EMFs and all the other toxins that may exist. And so the body is under this powerful toxic burden that's accumulating over time. So getting worse into the perimenopause and menopause years. And I know I myself am much more sedentary. My job is to sit in front of a computer 90% of the time. And so it, it is going to cause this natural tendency towards weight gain. And so really, I believe that as we're going through our years, our job is to figure out how do we move more and more to, to combat that. So I get there by going to workouts at least three or four days a week. And I want to lift and push in my workouts. I want the weight bearing exercise. I go to yoga. I think yoga, which is a sister science to Ayurveda, gives us so much. It can also build strength. It's going to create that lymphatic flow. It's going to be good for the nervous system. Good detoxer for the organs and the gut. It does so much for the system. Then I think walking is really underrepresented 
as one of our powerful tools. So even in my office, I tell my partner, let's go for a walk after lunch because walking after a meal for 10 right. to 15 minutes is going to increase that digestion of that food at night instead of eating and just sitting, which is a tendency. Can we just pick up the house and do things for 15 minutes so that the food is digested better for our bedtime? Um, but walking in nature is a habit I built in pandemic times that's really been beneficial at balancing stress um, any anxiety from the day from like too much going on and it's hard to do the switch over to evening and family. Um, and so I really built this rhythm of every evening after dinner, we walk or move in nature for an hour, 45 minutes. And it's been one of the most powerful tools for resetting. Sometimes if no kid or no one in my house wants to go, I will still go because I need, I need 20, 30 minutes in nature without the, um, influx of messages and demands and opportunities even some phases in our life are so good but if we're not slowing down enough and allowing the integration with our own body we're not going to enjoy and appreciate it and so that's one of my most powerful support tools is weight lift yoga walk but walk in nature align to your circadian rhythm do profound detoxes from Ayurveda once a year, that's going to be like an oil change for the system. It's going to clear out those toxins, clear out that congestion in the system. Adopt a diet that's more anti-inflammatory and nourishing whole food like Ayurveda and fuse pescatarian and things that allow you to pescatarian or eating white meat. A lot of times I teach people that eating red meat might not work with their system based on their gut health, but eating the diet that supports you and not being inflamed and your body usually tells you what that is. And then putting gut healthy practices in place. So when you do eat, you are absorbing that food and assimilating that food. So we have a lot of tips and tricks from Ayurveda around how and when to eat. And that alone can make a big difference in weight loss as well. Those are all such great tips. You mentioned the an annual detox. What does that look like in the world of Ayurveda? So we call that Panchakarma, and that means the five aspects of this detox. And within this detox, I've done it in India. I've gone and stayed in a center for three weeks. It's pretty invasive if you do it in a center um, because they do a lot of different types of oil massages to the body, like pretty intrusive ones. Here in the West, we might call it assault the way they do it, but they're in there and they're mobilizing that fat on the body. I sometimes was like, please guys back up. Like you can't do all that to me. Um, but the goal is to really fast cleanse. We do a lot of the self-care rituals like tongue scraping, oil pulling, dry brushing, upyung massage, a lot of these self-care rituals to really move the lymphatic system. Um, in the one I did, we did juice fasting with broth, soup broth and teas is fine on a juice fast in Ayurveda. Um, and then we do a lot of other treatments, infrared sauna and different things. So I teach this as a 28 day Ayurvedic detox. We do it in a group that I have. And I like to walk people through it in a way that's at different levels. So some people are ready to give up all the inflammatory foods and go whole enchilada and do colonics and infrared sauna and everything. And some people say, look, I need to start at level one. And we go from there and just bring that gentle detox in until they're ready to make room for the bigger one. I love that because you're just making it so much more inviting for people who are curious. You know, when I have to, when I want to look at something and maybe try something new for myself and I have to go all in, I'm usually all out within like the 30, first 30 seconds. I, I, I am that person that wants to ease in and look at all the surrounding factors that are going to go into whatever that 
modality or therapy I'm going to try. So I really like that. That's um, that's that modern Eastern Western fuse that you have such a uh, a keen um, feel for for people. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I, I think- I think we have to make things doable. Yeah, if you absolutely. All compliance over the name of perfection. What's the point? Right. So you can only do seven days. Let's do seven. If you can do right. 14, let's do 14. But let's let's meet somewhere where we're actually going to start getting that result that you want. Right. And in the world of health coaching, um, it's, you know, we we are trained to meet our clients where they're at and not a step beyond that. Right. So I love that. Yeah. Before we end, I want to talk about adaptogens because I know you know a lot about adaptogens and that is a part of um, Ayurveda. So a lot of people are really confused about adaptogens and how they work in the body. And I think they are unbelievable and there's a variety of of choices. Um, So share with us your expertise on this. Sure. So adaptogens are out of the super spices, some of my favorites, even turmeric is adaptogenic in the body because it's going to where it needs to go to do the job. Adaptogenic means that if you think of a thermostat, when that herb enters the body, like ashwagandha, for example, which is a very powerful and popular adaptogen, if you're stressed and anxious, it's going to calm you down a couple notches. And if you're depressed and feeling the blues are low, it's going to lift you up. The same herb can do both jobs. And so that's why the adaptogens are so popular, because we are all, I shouldn't say all, but most of us are stressed out people. We have, many people have adrenal burnout. Many people have high cortisol. Many people are stressed and anxious throughout their day. Mental health is definitely in the toilet nowadays. Social media doesn't help much, nor does the news. So based on all these factors and issues, to have an adaptogenic support on board will just keep you more focused, more level-headed, less um, having those mood swings and those different issues that people struggle with. And so that's why I love the adaptogens. Uh, Ashwagandha is the most popular one, I find. People also love Brahmi, which is great for brain health. We have Shisandra, Rhodiola, some of those others. Even Thulsi is a power adapt- powerful adaptogen. So that's why in Hormone Rebalance Tea, I use those, the Thulsis. In my Deep Sleep Tea, I used Ashwagandha and Brahmi. Um, but I'm always researching, like I'm, I'm testing right now ashwagandhas because I want to make an ashwagandha formula that, that really does the job, but I don't create a formula until I know I found that ingredient that really drives like a, a result that you can feel and know is working for you. But I do yeah. think that we should all use adaptogens. If I'm busy with the kids all weekend, I'll take two cups of hormone rebalance tea just to stay calm and collected. Or if I want to have focus for the day, I'll have it then. So I think we can strategically use adaptogens to get the results we want in any given day, knowing that we're going to inundate our brain and body anyways. So why not give us the support beforehand? So then adaptogens, there's a variety of adaptogens and they all do a little bit different things. So depending on your mood or where you're at or how you're feeling would depend on the variety you choose. And then you're saying that it works that quickly. This isn't something like a supplement that you have to take for a while to then start to see its effects. No, I think when you, I think and know that when you use potent herbs in the right form, they should drive the result right then. My goal is always to drive the result immediately. I want to know what works now. I don't like to wait. So I build in that way. Because I know that ashwagandha, there's a lot of science around ashwagandha and its um, efficacy for men who have low testosterone. Sure. 
Sure. And they've said ashwagandha is as effective as 14 different psychiatric drugs. Like it's a right. very, very yep. powerful herb. So when yep. people say they're depressed, anxious, all these things, my first line is gut health or uh, start with ashwagandha because it's so supportive in so many ways. It's like turmeric in a sense. It's going to go where the body needs it. Yeah. There's no harm to taking it. It's going to do good wherever it's needed. Yeah. Really cool stuff. Well, Shivani, I have one last question for you. Uh, what a pleasure it's been speaking with you today. What are three Ayurvedic takeaways for midlife women that they can start to incorporate into their daily lives starting today? My first one would be take your turmeric because we're all inflamed. And if we would just drop that inflammation down, we're going to support ourselves in the here and now and each year that passes. I'm a big believer in turmeric first. My second one, use a tongue scraper. I, I'm i a big proponent of a copper tongue scraper from Ayurveda because it's going to clear that gut health. It's going to clear those toxins out of the body. It's almost like a simple, free way to detox daily. And so then when we go to do those bigger detox, we've already detoxed a little bit every single day. So then- when do you, when do you use and when, and how do you use the tongue scraper? So you take a tongue scraper and you use it every single morning. You gently scrape the tongue seven to 14 times. You can scrape your tongue before or after you brush your teeth. I prefer after I brush my teeth. And then you just rinse off that tongue scraper. Copper is preferred because it's an antibacterial metal. So it's like a self-cleaning tool pretty much. But you're going to reduce those toxins. You're going to create better oral microbiome health, which impacts Mm. microbiome health, biome health. You're going to have better breath and more freshness in the mouth. And you will have gently detoxed all the organs of the body and ignited digestive fire. So there's a lot of benefits to this one habit, which I love. I love multi-dimensional, yeah, multi-habits like that. Like I can do multiple self-care things at once. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> multitasking. Um, and then my third tip would be from Ayurveda to incorporate self-care as a powerful circadian rhythm. And so one easy way to do that is tea time is me time. Just stop three, four times a day have a cup of tea or your favorite coffee if you're a coffee person and really tune into self. Ask yourself questions so your own intuition gives you answers because the biggest issue we have is we're just going. We're influenced by outside factors and running at our goals. But when do we actually tune into our own physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual self and ask for that alignment? Ayurveda is all about the alignment of those things. And so by pausing and saying, hey, how are you doing? What can I do to feel better today? What do I need to do to make myself to help feel healthier or better? The body will give you all the answers. You just have to train your intuition and fine tune your intuition to give yourself those answers. I love that reminder. And I was just speaking with a client of mine and we were talking about this very thing, but not in terms of Ayurveda, but in terms of self-care and these big corporations, you know, I live in downtown Chicago, a lot of them have meditation rooms or quiet rooms. And so it's easy now for people who are in these corporate positions to take 10, 15 minutes out of their day. Even five would be okay to start with, right? Go to these quiet spaces and and have that self-care moment and just recheck in with yourself. I love that. I love that because that's how we're going to build rhythms. And if we're in rhythm with nature, Ayurveda says, that's it. Then we can have that health and that vitality and vibrancy that we create. Right. Right. Awesome. Great information. Thank you so much. Where can my listeners find you and then also find your fusionary formulas? 
Sure. So my website is shivanigupta.com, S-H-I-V-A-N-I, Gupta. The website is also fusionaryformulas.com, F-U-S-I-O-N-A-R-Y. And we made you a special code health trip podcast. We'll give your listeners 15% off. And then I have a podcast as well called Fusionary Health Podcast, where I share what functional medicine doctors and practitioners share on our health. Great. I will put all of that into the show notes. This was amazing information and um, all unique information too, not something that I typically cover. And I'm so glad that I did because there's a lot of women out there who don't just want to go down the conventional healthcare model and take hormones, but they also are looking for, in addition to, or instead of a more holistic approach to their overall health and wellness and setting themselves up for longevity, right? It's not just about how are you going to feel today, but how are you going to feel in 10 years, 20 years, and 30 years, like well into your nineties. So this is great. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And thank you. Thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Lifestyle changes can be hard and overwhelming to make. By building your support team of functional medicine doctors, therapists, and health coaches, you can reach your optimal health goals. Be sure to check out my other podcasts. Until we meet again, stay healthy.